like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, you're back. Yes, it's nice to see you, Mike. Don't don't start it like that. <laughs> why not? <laughs> that, why do you have to make it weird like this so soon? Uh, no, I um, I unfortunately had to travel back uh, back to where I grew up uh, due to some family issues that came up suddenly. So I've been out of LA for a few weeks, and um, but uh, things are improving on that front, and we have some catching up to do. Yeah. Um, we actually were going to record, I think, the week that I left. Yeah. And then you left, which is not your fault. So don't think I'm saying it like that. <laughs> but because because of that trip, there's a, a lot of stuff that we did that is a little bit out of date. And you may have, this may have sounded familiar from another podcast where we both <laughs> had to travel and said the same things, but life happens. And 2018 has become a year of dealing with sudden things happening and cropping up yep but anyway moving on let's talk about the stuff that we have done okay let's <laughs> do it <laughs> you sound so enthusiastic come on mike yeah let's talk about all the stuff come on you go first russell <laughs> What did we do? Well, you know what? Uh, something that's been kind of, uh, we did a while ago, and uh, it was supposed to be a limited run escape room from Get the F Out Rooms, uh, who we have talked about the virus in the past, which is an escape room we both enjoyed. Uh, they were doing a limited run uh, escape room called The Experiment, and it is still on their website. They are still offering tickets to it. Uh, I don't see a clear end date on their uh On their website, I think what they might be considering is I think that space is adaptable um, that we were in during this escape room, and they might be doing other things in the future. But uh, the experiment, Mike, uh, what do you think? Well, I never knew it was supposed to be limited. Well, when they first announced it, it was going to be a limited run. That's a shame because it's beautiful. Oh, yeah the the set design and all the props it's this it's it's awesome you're you're not in downtown LA you are at a space that I'm not going to give away because that would ruin the whole story element of this room oh i oh you're being that secretive <laughs> well yeah because that's that's part of the fun because you start off and you're like oh wow and then it's like oh i get it yeah, I, I um I see your point. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna t- kind of talk about a theme, but um I see why you're wanting to keep that secret. Uh the experiment is appropriately named. Uh I will say I don't think the the title becomes quite clear until very near the end of the experience. Uh we one of the things that we have said multiple times in the past about escape rooms is variety of puzzles. And that's one of the things I really liked about the experiment is there are some very, very wide ranging kinds of puzzles that you have to deal with. And I really want to compliment them on the use of sound and the use of the set itself and the use of color. I thought all of them were used very, very intelligently and in in several areas very cleverly used. And I will say this, there was one room, Mike, where I didn't, I knew 
that there was something sort of off about the set itself. And I didn't really understand it until we got the explanation at the end. And as soon as the, the person who kind of walked us through the uh, the entire experience at the end, and by the way, we did escape, uh, I didn't realize what it was that was off about that final room. And as soon as they said, oh, well, did you notice this about the room? I had that aha moment of as soon as they said it, like, oh, of course, that's what's going on. If it's the room I'm thinking of, same thing. I didn't realize that's what was happening. And the fact that you can do that, it's it's incredible to me. But the room had a, the room did have a feeling of something weird going on, right? Yeah. And I actually in the room, I had this moment of, I wonder if there's some noise or something that's making me on edge or or something. And it's not. It's it's that's not what the technique is. But um, they do, they do have a lot of fun with uh, the the use of the set itself and the room these, the rooms that you're in, and I think you can judge by the way we're talking that there are multiple rooms, and I really like the way you progress from space to space. Yeah, there were some clever ways to get you to uh, the next part of the experience that you need to get to. Uh, and that's what one of the things I really liked, especially in the beginning, like when you first first start. <laughs> And because that that was that was fun as well. Yeah, you you have some individual challenges, which is always kind of fun in an escape room when not everyone gets the same puzzle, so to speak, and not everyone works on the same puzzle. And this room definitely forces you into that situation. So I I really really enjoyed this a lot. I think it's one of the more fun. Uh, I loved particularly the beginning. I thought that was a really really fun start to the room. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed this. I had a really great time at this. Yeah, me too. And you mentioned we escaped, um, and we did set a record. Oh, did we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and usually this is the part where I say, and of course we beat Horror Buzz and Jeff and Norm, but they were a part of that team. So um, they're finally <laughs> wising up uh, and just including us all on the same team. That way we don't have to have that rivalry and always beating them and setting records and making them feel bad. So thank you, Jeff and Norm and, and the Horror Buzz crew. If you would like to learn more about the experiment and the other room is called The Virus, and we definitely recommend that. Uh, and I, actually, we haven't done it at this location. We oh, did the true. old virus. So Get the F Out used to be in Burbank, and it moved to downtown LA. So uh, if you did the virus in Burbank, I think you can do this one and it will be a bit different. If you'd like more information on both of these rooms, uh, you can look them up at getthefoutroom.com, on Facebook at getthefoutthoroom, on Instagram, getthefoutroom, and on Twitter at the virus escape. And then... Before you left on your trip, uh, we you were able to do a couple things. Uh, one of them I was able to do with you. Um, but you returned to see Force of Nature and Fallen Saints. Yeah, Force of Nature Productions. They this is what their third year, I believe, with Fallen Saints. Uh, the um, it, it's sort of a fall offering that they do under that that banner name. This year, it's called Fallen Saints Dark, and. Mike, there is not a more appropriate title for a show this entire haunt season, I guarantee <laughs> you. Um, they are dealing with fears. They are dealing with uh, what creates fears in us from childhood through the time that we pass away. 
And they did a preview of this at um, Midsummer Scream, and I liked the preview. They basically did the very first portion of this show. Uh, the show itself delves into. Um, here's the thing, I, you know, I, I said haunt season. This is not a haunt. This is a theatrical piece. Uh, I would not call it immersive. I would not call it. Um, it was basically theater in the round. Uh, but I will say this, it is a very hard hitting, very intimate show. And the reason it has the impact that it does is all of the fears are reality based. It's there is nothing supernatural. There is nothing. Um, and I, I know that's a little bit of a spoiler, but the reason I'm I'm bringing that up is I think it's important to realize that, you know, based on their past shows where they have done supernatural themed stuff uh the supernatural aspect here is sort of your narrator is an all-seeing uh being that leads you through various life moments but they are dealing with really heavy heavy subject matter here what some people would call triggers as far as abuse as far as the use of social media and how that can go wrong in people's lives uh and it is really harrowing at times because it does feel so intimate. And and here I want to point out this cast, I think, is incredibly strong. And for them to delve into this sort of extremely realistic subject matter, it, it's got to be exhausting, Mike. I mean, the 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 subject matter is so dark. It's disturbing theater. This is re this really got under my skin a lot, and um, and I mean that as a compliment. But I I'm willing to also say that this may not be for everyone because it is it is such a heavy piece. But I love the fact that Force of Nature is so experimental, and I love the fact that Force of Nature goes to places that you don't expect. And this is one of those shows, and the ensemble here is so strong. Uh, that I, I just, it's, I walked out feeling like I had seen something special and incredibly depressed at the same time. <laughs> so that's not something I would expect from, from force of nature, um, just from seeing their past production. So with everything that you're saying, is it, does it seem like it's more taking a, not how can like, I, I'm not trying to compare the two, but does is it taking a more tone of, like, urban death or blood alley where it's more, like, just, like, messed up type things? Or is it just the the horror is in the realness? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think the horror is in the realness here. You don't get into the really outrageous stuff that urban death and uh, uh, um, uh, blood alley do, uh, which is at Zombie Joe's Underground Theater. Uh, right, right down the street, almost <laughs> from uh, Fallen Saints. So it it's this is more realism. This is realistic stuff, and and it is ba it is based on fears. I'm not saying that it's not appropriate to the season or anything like that. It's based on fears. It's based on how fears grow. It it's based on how other people in our lives can feed into our own fears, whether knowingly or unknowingly, sometimes. And that's all fascinating stuff, but it, it made for a very, I think harrowing emotionally for me was the, was the correct word. And I saw this right on the eve of me leaving. Oh, perfect. So it's like, I was, I was already in a dark headspace cause I knew that I was going to be dealing with some family issues. And, um, 
Uh, so this this really hit me hard, and um, it's they also deliberately, Mike, on this are keeping the audiences small to to help strengthen that intimate vibe of the show, and I think that's a really intelligent uh, way of looking at how to present this material in the best possible way. Uh, we walked in, and literally, it is theater in the round of one row of seats. And they blocked off the rest of the seats. They weren't even admitting people. So it's 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 they are they are cultivating an intimate dark experience for this. And I think that's a really really wise approach to this. They're they're an oddball experimental company, and I really like the fact that they're doing very different tones of shows. I, I think the last thing I saw at Fallen Saints was a, a comedy. So I like the fact that they're they're experimenting with a little bit of everything. But this is a show that I would recommend. But just be aware that this deals with realistic, harsh things that create fears and how they affect people throughout their lives. And I should mention that that show was running um, in August. And they are bringing it back for October. And the dates on that are October 1st, 8th, and 15th at 10.30 p.m. And the reason I mention that time is uh, you can go to their website and uh, to get more information on the show itself. And the reason I'm mentioning the 10.30 p.m. start time is you're getting into haunt season during October. And this is one of those shows because of the late start time that you might be able to do something first and then include Fallen Saints Dark as part of an evening of multiple things. So definitely check them out. And uh, the website for Force of Nature Productions is fonproductions.com. On Facebook, look up fonprods. On Instagram, it's also fonprods. And on Twitter, fonprods. I feel like if I started a production company, that's what it would be called. Fon prods. Fun prods. No, fon prods is my last name. Oh, oh, Fontaine. Why did that take you so long? Uh, It took me a while. (laughs) Okay. And then uh, the other theatrical thing that happened right before I left. And in typical overachiever faction, you did it twice. Uh, well, that wasn't the original plan, but it did happen that way. Uh, we had a friend who ended up having to give up a ticket, so they reached out and, and I said, sure, I'm leaving town on a plane the next morning. Why not go to another play? <laughs> Wait, you did this on the same night as Force of Nature? Uh, yes. I got out of one show early enough to work the other one into the schedule. Jeez, man. Yeah, it was insane. So, Mike. Yes? About that other show. Yes. Uh, we went to Chapter 5 of the Speakeasy Society's Kansas Collection, which was called The Vow. And in The Vow, we were invited to a wedding, a royal wedding, between the Scarecrow King and Phoebe Daring. So, how did the night go for you? I mean, it was awesome. I got to hang out with my girl, Ozma, who's, man, what can we say? <laughs> like, it's really hard because chapter six is about to start. Yes, chapter so, six is about to start. This was chapter five. And there is, I, I know they're talking about remounting some of these productions uh, in their schedule. Yeah. So I don't want to be, you know, 100% spoilerific, but... Um, I think we can discuss discuss the structure of the show. Yeah, I think so. The Speakeasy Society always ends up surprising me somehow. And with this show, there was definitely surprises. And I say that because I think when a lot of people go to a bunch of immersive theater, you kind of expect a certain structure. You, you expect 
tracks. You expect that. Don't get me wrong. This had that. But before the wedding even started, it was basically open world in in this courtyard. And that's something I haven't experienced yet with, with the Speakeasy Society. And it played so well. And it made sense to the story. And it made sense to the environment. And you got little nuggets of information from all of the different characters and putting all of that together and then going into the production where there is tracks. It's, it's just, it's, they're awesome. Like, like there's <laughs> I, like, I, I don't have like much to say. Like I can't, I can't describe them any, like give them the amount of props I want to, because it doesn't make sense in my mind because that's how good it is. The, uh, well, what you just talked about, the reception at the beginning, because you go to a reception before this wedding, and it's people from Oz, and they've decided to have the wedding in Kansas. That's the setup of the show. So the traditions aren't quite right, and there you, you see little glitches here and there where they're, well, they're trying to put on a normal wedding, but it somehow doesn't feel normal. And what you said about the open world aspect... I got to check in, and I think everyone, if you have been to previous chapters, you got to check in with certain characters you have encountered before. Sort of just check in and say, hey, I remember last time we talked. How are you feeling about those things? How are you feeling about that subject? And they were able to play off that, and they also built in a track on this show where um, complete newcomers had their own track in this show that apparently got a history of the story so far but completely also got them participating in the wedding and in the reception, which I thought was a wonderful touch on the side, on the side of speakeasy society that they made that so accessible when they're talking about a serialized series of shows. I was able to check in with a couple of specific characters. Um, I had one character recognize me from a previous show. Uh, I don't know if that happened to you. If it's the one I'm thinking of, he kind of shamed me for my wardrobe. And then I, sh- <laughs> I, I may or may not have showed him something he gave me two or three years, two years ago, I think wow. at this point. And then basically said he regrets ever giving that to me. And so that was fun. Oh, that's, that's actually really fun. The fact that the characters are playing with the audience that way. That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he made a comment about my wardrobe and, uh, his comment to me was that he thought that I should be more subtle than I was being that night. So uh, you are the tracks of the show were color coded. So people showed up wearing the colors based on certain factions or certain people that they wanted to express support for. And so sometimes you would encounter characters that would be taken aback by what you were wearing, uh, which also made that reception very, very fun. Mm -hmm. Now the show itself, once you get into the wedding, of course, uh, the show is called The Vow. I think you realize that the wedding is going to be the centerpiece. Uh, things don't go quite as planned, and you do have multiple tracks that are explored. Uh, you saw the show once, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I will say one thing that I noticed. Wow. Again, I'm, I'm thinking of how to do this. I, I want to pay a compliment of how intricate Speakeasy thinks out. Thinks out? That didn't come out right. Uh, plans out and thinks about the interaction of the tracks. Uh, something happened my first time through. And what I did is um, I reached out to them and said, hey, uh, my friend has a ticket. This is the track that he's on. 
I'm going to try to take the ticket. Would you suggest? And they went, that track will be fine for you. It'll all make sense. Um, you'll be fine. So I saw the same sequence from two different perspectives. There's a moment in the first track I went, which was, by the way, patchwork, If for those of you following the Speakeasy show. And there's a moment in the patchwork track, Mike, that didn't make sense to me. Because one of the characters... Um, how do I put this? One of the characters got ill uh, during during the course of the show. One of the characters actually physically had some problems. And what I did not realize is that's a clue for something else that is developing in this whole mythology. And the second time I went through, because I was on a different track, I realized when I was in that secondary track of, oh, now I understand why the last time I attended this show, that other character got sick. I know what caused it now. Which I found utterly fascinating that that is something that I put together and I connected those dots. They do not need to be utilized. I don't have to utilize them in any way. It's just information. But the fact that Speakeasy is so intricate about you know, these two tracks and they're close to each other and they're, they're sort of overlapping in places. And, and the fact that one track affects the other that way, and it's unspoken, it is completely unspoken. If you realize it, great. If you don't, and I did not realize it until I went through the second track. So I, I just, I just think that was a really, really cool touch. Well, and another thing we, I, I always compliment their actors uh, just because they're, they're so good with, uh, with improv and and just things in general, uh, acting in general, I guess. Um, there's, if you have gone to the previous chapters and you decoded certain things, uh, because there's always clues and puzzles if you can find them. And uh, Russell, you and I, um, we said something to Lyman a couple chapters ago, and we yes. were given a letter. And we decoded that letter, which meant we we're looking for other clues leading up to the vow because that's where this payoff was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this also happened. If you were a part of another track, you got sent um, a, a code, I believe. And I solved all the puzzles because of course I did. And <laughs> that's what you do. The payoff for that was to tell a certain phrase to a certain someone. And when I did that, because I wasn't part of the, faction that was supposed to get it the clues for the vow specifically because we were kind of we we were grandfathered in i guess you could say Mm -hmm. when i did that to her and she gave me the story she said oh you're wearing black okay so when we do this pretend you know nothing about it just just stay stay where you are do your thing which two it accomplished two things one it made it made me feel so much more undercover and (laughs) it just made the story that much more impressive. But two, that was their way of crowd control to not disrupt the, the story. Yes. Because I wasn't sitting with the people that were going to do something. And the fact that like, just like quick, like off the top of her head, it was like, okay, but you're wearing this. So just do this. Don't do this. Do that. That kind of thing. It was just like, this is so incredible to me. Oh, yeah. They're so good at the details like that. And uh, I will say that uh, partially because of everything that was leading up to the show, I didn't solve those puzzles. So I didn't get access to any of that. 
And yet still, I had a great time. The show played for me. Uh, I did something else why I think that was going on uh, with you. So it was great. And it's like if I had solved those puzzles, I probably would, probably would have unlocked something that I also loved. But I didn't have the time. I didn't have the the kind of the bandwidth in my life at that point to go down that rabbit hole. And it's fine. It worked out just fine. Uh, and instead, I, I got to realize a few other things that were going on. So I, you know, again, it's an achievement. And I will say this, um, the vow by the end of the show takes on multiple meanings. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really nice, nice twist. I had just mentioned something about disruption. And I think we need to address something that happened at the first, at the show we first saw. Mm. Because... You know, I think to a lot of people that see immersive theater, like like we go to a lot, there's, you know, there's a core group of people that go. So we we understand what's expected and everything. There's still a learning process that needs to be done for, quote unquote, civilians that step <laughs> into this world. Because the show, the first show we went to, or the first show Russell went to, the only show I went to, um, it was just full of people that just didn't understand it and thought they had the cadence to basically do anything and talk whenever they wanted to or try to change things and unfortunately it ruined the show for a bunch of people i know after the show you mentioned one scene got ruined for you because like he was trying to leave or something or i i there was a there was a person and again you know this mike and i when we have conversations like this we're not trying to sound elitist or like we do it better than other people that's not what this is about this is about respect for the cast and respect for the production team and that's what happened is in my group there was one person who and it, it dawned on me later how to say this he didn't realize i think it is my belief that that person did not realize that this was not an improvisational world that this was a scripted show with deliberate tracks he thought this was improvised so in the middle of a scene he literally stood up went to a door opened a door and said wait if we do this if everybody follows me we can just go down over here down the hallway i hear voices we could do this we could change everything and the actors, and there were four characters in the scene at that point, the actors had to stop the scene and deal with one guy trying to go rogue and change the plot. And the, and I just in my head, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is the scene. This is where we're supposed to be. And one of the actors literally went over, and, and that was the tact the actor took. The actor handled it very well of, no, here's why we can't do that. Because... This is what they will do. This is how we should act. And in the future, this is where we're aiming for. Like he explained the whole show in character to this guy. This guy still didn't get it. And the guy spent the entire scene over at the door, looking out a window, ignoring what the rest of us were doing. And at one point, someone who was with the guy turned around and went, hey, would you just come away from the door and get over here? And I think even the people he was with were getting frustrated with his disruption. And I want to say the cast handled it very, very well. The scene got delivered. 
all of the information got delivered. The one thing it did is I think there might have been more audience interaction in the scene itself if that guy hadn't disrupted the way he did. Because at one point, the characters were saying, wait, this could mean this, or this could mean that. And in my myself, and I kind of looked around at it, there were a couple people in the room that I knew. And I think we all had this urge of, I'd kind of like to answer, but I don't want to encourage this guy over by the door to encourage the idea that this is a free-for-all because he obviously didn't understand it. And there was one point in particular where I wanted to bring up information from a previous chapter, and I chose not to. And I just looked at one of the characters in the eye, and I kind of pointed to something, and they nodded. So I think they got what I was trying to do, but he didn't elaborate on it, and the scene just continued on. And it was just like, hey, wait, do you remember this? You know, and I, I kind of pointed to something and he nodded his head and realized I realized that he kind of understood. And then that information came up later in the scripted scene anyway. Uh, and here's the other disruption that happened with that one particular person is one of my characters, one of the characters in my scene had to leave the room. And that guy had been so focused on the door and what else was going on in other rooms and not paying attention to the information. When that character left, that guy turns around, addresses the entire room and says, well, obviously he's the bad guy. (laughs) The actress in the scene had to stop again, stop the scene and say, no, he's not because of this. And she had to reiterate some information that had already been part of the scene. And it was literally, it it just, I don't think he understood that this was a scripted happening, that this was not improvisation, that the plot couldn't change on a dime, that the plot couldn't suddenly veer into another direction because it was all timed. It was all orchestrated. We needed to finish that sequence at a certain time and get back into a different room. So I just don't think he understood that it was all scripted. And in the end, there there came this moment where one of the other characters kind of said, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do this. We're going here. That's what needs to happen next. And in response, a couple of us said, okay, we're with you. And like, and because there was, there was a general question, like, does everyone understand? And my response, I was literally standing a foot from the actor. He was right next to me. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, I'm with you. And I think because of that other guy, he looked at me for a moment. He said, no, you don't have to follow me right now. <laughs> you can stay here. <laughs> and of course, I realized like, well, yeah, I totally get that. And then I realized I think the reason he said that is because of the other guy in the room who wasn't following instructions. Right. Well, plus you're, you know, a troublemaker. So. Oh, yeah, I have that reputation. <laughs> so and again, I it's not that there's. There is there's some rules to be followed, and obviously that person ignored the rules or didn't the, the rules didn't make sense to them at the beginning of the evening because he was breaking all of the rules that we as audience members had agreed to. And in immersive theater, as this grows, as this becomes more popular and people are experimenting with this, that's part of, they, they call it sometimes the onboarding process of how do you get the audience to learn what they need to learn to behave like you expect them to behave. And this guy sort of missed the boat on that, and it did cause a disruption. 
And I heard that there were other people from that same group that were also causing some disruptions in a couple of other sequences. It was just, they didn't quite understand what they were getting into. So, you know, it just, it's a cautionary tale of know what you're attending, know what's expected of you as the audience, especially if it's interactive or immersive in any way. And also for the creators that listen to this, you know, keep that in the back of your mind that this can and does happen, you yes. know, because I think a lot of times we've been lucky. And you know, like I mentioned before, we have a core group of, of enthusiasts that go to almost everything. So we know like what to do, what not to do. But as this grows, just know that there are going to be new people that won't quite understand or maybe not even care about the rules and just make sure that you're prepared for that. Yeah. And again, I think this was just a misunderstanding of that guy thought this was all being improv. I honestly believe that was the problem and he didn't get it. Hopefully, he'll understand in the future if he goes to another immersive show. Now, that being said, again, want to reiterate that it did, it did not ruin the show for me. I had a great time at The Vow. Uh, I thought the tracks were fascinating. I am so lucky that I, that, uh, I'm so lucky that a friend of mine couldn't use his ticket and, uh, I was able to go back and see it from a different perspective, uh, which was fascinating. Yeah, but just just so we're all clear and just, you know, just in case Ozma is listening to this, like <laughs> you are not. You went to her second. So you stay away from my girl and you stick with your patchwork nonsense. OK. All right. Maybe. No, there's I, no maybe. I, I will say that uh, Ozma showed me a sign of the mythology, a side of the mythology that I had not really fully considered. But Ozma digs loyalty. So... Step away. She made that quite clear during the show. Exactly. So I've been quite with her clear. from the beginning, sir. <laughs> so, so please see your way out. Okay. If you would like to learn more about the Speakeasy Society, the Kansas Collection, and Chapter 6 tickets, which Chapter 6 is called The Witch, Chapter 6 tickets are now on sale. Check them out at speakeasysociety.com, on Facebook, the Speakeasy Soch, S-O-C. Or Sock. Or sock, the speakeasy sock. With no K. Uh, with no K. And that's okay. <sighs> K? K. Instagram, the speakeasy sock. And Twitter, the speakeasy sock. With no K. And you know, Mike, speaking of immersive things and things that are not quite delineated, quite, wait, let me, that, that was the wrong word, defined, quite defined, uh, we attended part one of something called Secret Thing LA. Mm-hmm. And this was something that we knew nothing about going in. We knew that it was going to be... Hence the name. Hence the name, Secret Thing, yes. And uh, we had very little information, and we just were given a location. And when we showed up, uh, it became a small, fairly short, I think it was about a half hour long, immersive theater piece uh, set in a location of a bar in downtown Los Angeles. Why would you consider this immersive theater? Actually, that's a very good point. I was led sort of by their advertising that there was going to be an immersive element to it. Um, it wasn't immersive theater, in my opinion, overall, other than the fact that it was site-specific. You got to sort of interact with props linked to the show before the show began. Right. But when the show began, the... For me, Mike, I, 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 what did you feel about this? I felt it was very experimental. Um, and it was people trying to do... It was people wanting to do something to create. Yes, I agree. And I think 
it was interesting. There was one aspect of the story that I really did find fascinating, and I thought the performers did fine. I, you know, but the thing that worked against me for this whole event was the location. Sight lines were horrible. Yeah, I was standing behind a pillar for most of it, and it was where the actual actors and monologues were taking place, the scenes were taking place. It was in the middle of a very, very small room, and there were chairs there, and you could see through these, through through passage, not passageways, like uh, aisles and whatnot, but due to the structure of the building, a lot of people were behind these big, these big pillars, and I couldn't really see. I could hear fine, um, but yeah, I couldn't really see what was happening unless they walked to a certain spot. Right, and during the course of the show, that caused the audience members to be moving around during the show, trying to improve their sight lines based on where the scene was happening. So it it became, and people were bumping into each other, and people were like standing on tiptoe trying to look over other people. This location really did not serve them well. Uh, and again, the the show itself, I thought was kind of experimental, kind of interesting. Personally, didn't speak to me. And because of literally there was a half wall between me and the show because of where I was standing, I felt no emotional connection. And I felt kind of bothered by that because I think I would have if I had been closer and if the show had been staged in a different position maybe even in that same location staged in a different place or just with less people uh, that would have been helpful too less people uh because it was packed i i want to encourage this to continue and they have done a part two which i was unable to attend and there is a part three coming up for secret thing la uh so i wish them well but their introductory thing didn't really do much for me personally yeah, unfortunately, the same for me. Um, it was just, I think when I left and I thought about the show, it reminded me of when I was in college and would hang out in coffee houses and hear like spoken word. Like that's what it seemed like more to me rather than a show. Um, and granted, there were different scenes, but they were just monologues to music and they were great, but it wasn't it wasn't for me. Yeah, I, I think I probably liked it a little bit better than you did, but you know, like I said, there was one, and it, and they do deal with ghosts and spirits as subject matter. There was one of the ghosts-ish kind of stories that I was really intrigued by, but I only saw a portion of it, and I and I, that was one of the times when I, as an audience member, was moving between other people trying to get a better sightline. So um, more power to them, and I encourage them, and I wish them well in the future. Uh, and they do have a part three coming up. And the the best way it seems to find out more about them is uh, go to Instagram and check out uh, an account called Secret Thing underscore LA. And you'll find some very interesting images and some very intriguing images. And uh, you can learn more through that bio link. So, Russell, while you were gone, we got mail. Yeah. And because you are such a busy person... You haven't even opened it yet. <laughs> this is true. So we're going to have a live unboxing of the newest Box of Dread. I know that excites you, Mike. It does, since <laughs> I know what's going to be in there. Oh, really? Uh, so, yeah, and uh, Box of Dread, this is actually like uh, multi-months combined. Yeah, three uh, months. Yeah, because they were running into some issues, apparently, with manufacturing, etc. So that's... And it... 
it still fits in the same box. All right. Wow, lots of letters and stuff, which I will have to look at later, uh, including, wow, wow, this was curated by Kane Hodder? Why are you looking at me? I don't, <laughs> I get the same stuff you do. <laughs> and with every live unboxing, Russell is taking the time to read to himself the letter that came with it. Not out loud. Uh, it's a letter from Kane Hodder to his fans. And uh, it is about um, the documentary, which has uh, been made about him, um, thanking for the support of that film and sort of talking a little bit about how it came to be. Um, and there's a couple of other pieces of paper talking about, it looks like, uh, what we've got here, uh, including one from uh, Derek Dennis Herbert, the director of To Hell and Back, the Kane Hodder story. So I take it uh, this might have something to do with Kane Hodder. Well, it's three months. Each month is a letter of who cur- curated the items. There's also uh, things included from Caroline Williams, uh, who's talking a bit about her career as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely need to sit back and read that uh, since... Ah, wait, hold on. Wait, I'm getting it out of the box. This is just jam-packed with stuff. Cool, including a mug. What? What is this? You don't know what that is? No, I don't. I, first of all, I can barely see in this light, but no, I have absolutely no idea what this is. Well, read it out loud. Uh, K-O-K-L-A. Oh my God, it's the radio station <laughs> from the movie. See? You just need to say, which movie? Uh, Texas which? Chainsaw Massacre? Part two. Part two, right. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's a little bit of a deep you cut for me. You just lost cred. All uh, right. We are going to now subscribe to Box of Cred, and you are not going to get a box. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, funny story. Back in the 80s, I know you were just a boy, just a lad. I still am. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, the uh, I worked in a video store, and when Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 got released on DVD, pardon me, on VHS, uh, a woman came in trying to rent it. If you remember the time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was an unrated film because it was so violent. And so this woman came in wanting to rent Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 for what must have been her seven or eight-year-old son. Was it my mom? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I stopped her and I said, because I was the horror guy among the video clerks. And I said, ma'am, it's like, this is none of my business. And I would normally not say this, but do you know what this is? Do you know? And he, oh, he watches horror movies all the time. And I said, no, ma'am, this is unrated. This is so violent. They even couldn't give it an R. It's worse than R-rated movies. And she said, oh, I'm sure he's seen worse on the nightly news. She is a great person. Wow. And I'm just like, uh, and no. look at you trying to censor things. Like, <laughs> I whatever, know. man. I just felt, I don't know. I just felt. That explains so much. Oh my God. <laughs> it's all clicking right now. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow. So, yeah, but I just felt so horrible that like this little child would like this mother. It's is none com- of your business, man. I know it's none of my business, but I felt obligated as, as a horror fan. So if you worked in a convenience store, would you try to get people to not smoke or drink? No. Then what? Then leave it alone. You really think I made the wrong call there? Didn't, no, yeah, no. it's none of your business. <sighs> but she was she was so clueless. She was it was so obvious she but was. She's clueless. not clueless though. 
Because there is worse stuff on the news. No, not back then. Yeah, back There's then a guy was, was skinned alive. Spoiler alert! And he walks around for half the movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's it's worse not, than what you see not, in the nightly. It's news. not real though. The news is real. All right, but a seven or eight year old. Uh, Just stop. We're gonna we're we're gonna agree to disagree on that one. So, I'm not even gonna agree. Uh. Oh, what else is in the box? So, uh, I'm looking at posters. Uh, one looks like uh, Maniac versus the New York Ripper. Uh, wow, the insanity of Joe Spinell, the savage vision of Lucio Fulci, two horror legends, one on one. And then there is another poster, which is for. Hold on. Oh, that's nice. It's a uh, artist's poster for To Helen Back, the Kane Hodder story, featuring Kane Hodder carrying. <laughs> A bag of tools, shall we say. Also, I'm going to warn you. You should probably not have that. Why? Because it's, it's, it's very violent image. <laughs> I'm going to need you to not. Stop it. I'm sorry. I, I firmly believe that a seven-year-old should not watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and I stand by that opinion. Give I'm going to have kids and make them watch it at five just to spite you. <laughs> and I'm going to make you be there. And then I'm going to show them a Serbian film. Uh, great. Okay. All right. I've always felt you would be a good dad. Uh, Dude, I there would is... be. I'd be amazing dad. <laughs> there is a uh, Titans Vinyl Figures AVP blind box. There is a... Uh, oh, are these the Madballs things? Yeah. The uh, horror sci-fi Madballs, which is uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, which is Leatherface. Uh, which is, hey, I could throw this at you really hard and it wouldn't hurt you. Well, you could throw a baseball at me really hard and it wouldn't hurt me. Hey. Oh, wow. Oh, man. This <laughs> this is really fun, actually. Okay. Uh, three media pieces. There's a DVD of Director's Cut, which stars Penn Jillette. Oh, Terrifier. I've been reading about this thing. Oh, Terrifier on Blu-ray and also To Hell and Back on blu-ray that's wonderful i mean that's that's worth the entire thing uh wow that's that's really cool man yeah it was a good one yeah definitely i mean granted it's three months worth but still (laughs) three blu-rays is pretty cool uh yeah that's that is pretty cool man so yeah and stuff uh i've actually already seen director's cut actually i was a backer yeah i was when i opened it i was like oh that's this is funny So, um, I went to the world premiere screening, I believe, of Director's Cut many, many years ago. Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, Box of Dread. Uh, they're, uh, I know they've, they've had some problems recently, uh, and that's why they ended up getting uh, multiple boxes sent in the same time. There had been a delay. And, uh, but they, they definitely delivered. There was some fun stuff in there, definitely. If you want to give Box of Dread a chance and would like more information, you can check them out. And uh, everything's the same for Box of Dread. Boxofdread.com. And on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, look for Box of Dread. You can find out more information about their subscription services and pricing and options uh, when you go to that website. And sometimes they also offer back stuff that uh, is no longer available. Or uh, you can buy stuff that has been in previous boxes as well. So, Russell, you were able to see a kind of test thing, right? Yes. I Yeah, it was a kind of a test thing. Actually, what it was, we found out later, is it was only the fifth time that this had been tried. So, and, and you were supposed to be there, man. Yeah, but because it was at Brian's house, the restraining order 
wouldn't let me go yeah within like 500 feet or something so i know so well i mean it's understandable but uh <laughs> now i know that you had to work late that night and was dealing with stuff and and i really wish you could have participated in this because yeah, i do too uh from a very selfish reason I would like to know, I've never seen you in this sort of an immersive experience, and I really would like to have seen how you that reacted. That sounds so weird. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. <laughs> if you did that in a creepy voice, like, I've never seen you in one of these experiences, and I'd like to. See? Yeah. It's creepy. All right. That, that is a touch creepy. Um, at a friend's house, uh, Brian invited us over. And uh, because this was sort of a test of something that is being developed by um, a company called Live In Theater. And specifically, this event is called This Is When We Rest. Uh, The tagline for it is everybody has a story. Every story has an ending. And I'm going to be flipping through some papers as I do this. Uh, This is being created by uh, a game designer named Leland Masick. And uh, it was directed and curated and facilitated by Carlo Demore. And he was there. And this is, I'm going to give the outline. And we have since been told that this was in development. Like I said, I think uh, Carlo told me that night that this was only the fifth time that they had done it. This is sort of a, a hireable experience. And I'm going to go back to what's on their webpage. And again, I'm going to th- flip through some papers because there is a paragraph I want to read. Imagine living out the last hour of your life. What would you do? How would you behave? In this alternate world, you will create a brand new and different version of yourself with a rich past of life-changing encounters, mysterious twists of fate, and relationships to other participants that will define your last moments on Earth. Now, right now, this is something that is happening simultaneously in New York, Los Angeles, and Laguna Beach. Uh, It happens basically in your own home, uh, and it's about two and a half hours long, and it is for people who want unique experiences, are a little bit creative, a little bit adventurous, and... The, the setup is this. For the first half of the evening, you actually create characters. And uh, I'm going to go by the guidelines that were set up for us that evening. I know that this is something that they were developing, and I know some of the rules they were contemplating changing. But the first half of the evening, you break off into small groups of three. And you start creating relationships. And these are timed, and that's why you have a facilitator at this event. It's sort of like, think of a like murder mystery dinner theater thing or a murder mystery party if you've ever been to anything like that at someone's house. But the situation here is you create characters for the first half of the evening. And the way that you do that is you're given something specific and about your relationship with one of the other people. And you have to explore that. And it's a really timed, short period And I believe, if I remember correctly, we had eight minutes for all three of us in each group to define our relationship. And the way that's instigated is you were given a phrase that somehow influenced the two of you. So you go like, okay, here's the phrase I have about you. And okay, let's talk about that. How could you have affected me in this way? How could you have affected my life? Um, At one point, I got one... uh, 
you wrecked my life, I think was the phrase or something along those lines. And so I was like, okay, fine. What does that mean? How do you think, I think you did this. How do you think I did that? Or so you talk that out and really quickly, and this happens. So you have a connection to everyone in the group. And that's why I was saying, this is sort of like a murder mystery party idea. You form these connections and then you sort of take notes on it. And then the last half of the evening, Mike, is you actually start the evening and it's a party and the party has a soundtrack. So the character that you've developed, this new version of yourself, you attend this party as that person. And each of us beforehand had been told, bring something you'd like to share at the last party you ever attended or something along those lines. Um... Some people brought booze. You know, one person brought gumbo. You know, I brought strawberry shortcake. <laughs> Does it have to be food? Not necessarily, but everyone leaned that way. Okay. Uh, the the idea is that something you'd want to share with people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see your mind working. Over yeah, there. it's probably a good thing I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> so then the soundtrack starts and you realize that this is basically an end of the world party. That people, some people believe the world is going to end in an hour. And with the relationships of these new characters you've created, how would you interact? So that last hour becomes very improvisational, very creative. And that's sort of the, that is a really rough structure. And like I said, there was a facilitator. Carlo was our facilitator. He sort of coaches you and gets you to from step one to step two to step three. And then the party itself is free form. So all of the conversations that happen and you start exploring what you did as children with these people and you explored things, major life events at different ages during the first half of the evening. So you then sort of improv your way through this party. And the thing that surprised me, Mike, is how real and visceral some of the emotions were that came out. There were some really, there's some really dark stuff uh, thanks to somebody uh, um, giving me some information about myself, They're like, oh well, this is how I destroyed this. This is how I this is how I ruined this. Uh, I had a catastrophic injury in my past that that I was kind of given, gifted by someone else in the room, and much to my surprise, that became a huge part of my relationship with everyone else in the room, of me recovering from that and what recovery meant. Uh, and whether or not I was successful or not. So the emotions were very real, very visceral. Uh, there were multiple people in tears at a couple times. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Just the sadness of, wow, if I really did only have a limited amount of time, how would I feel about this? And we talked afterwards. They wanted in, input and feedback. And we did sort of dissect the evening of like, well, I don't know if I would stay at this party. I don't know if I would choose to go to a party. I don't know. But you just have to buy into the conceit. And if you do, it's utterly fascinating how deeply you feel. And also the advantages here for us was everyone in that room was sort of immersive theater experienced. So I think everyone there was willing to play right out of the gate. I think this would be interesting to play with people who are a little bit in their own shell. And I think it would be interesting to play with people 
that you may not know very well. And there was a couple people in that room that I don't know very well. So it was really interesting when, you know, a couple of revelations came out that linked me to somebody. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, because I I didn't know that person in real life. And now I have this chance to have conversations with them in this weird fictional party sense. And the soundtrack that that is to the party is music and news reports and things that influence the timing of things that go on at the party. So this was a fascinating experience. And Live In Theater is a company that is experimenting with interactive experiences. They've done theater pieces. If you go to their website and read a little bit about their history, it's a fascinating company. And I hope they continue playing in the Los Angeles area. Uh, and I think they will. I, I, I really thought this was an interesting experiment. Uh, and like I said, we did it early on. They said they were going to still adjust and fluctuate some of the rules. Um, you, this is something you can book. You can go to their website and learn more about this event and you could book it as a private party. You could book it here in Los Angeles as something that happens at one of your, you know, get togethers with friends. And it's an interesting way of playing and doing something different with friends. So this was a fascinating experiment. Yes, it was early on. It was, uh, it was more developed than I would say a beta test necessarily, but it made for some really interesting emotional conversations among people that I don't have the chance to hang out with a lot anyway because our busy, busy lives here in Los Angeles work and play and whatever. So it was a chance to actually kind of have a good time with friends uh, and do something really creative and drink and have gumbo and eat strawberry shortcake. Oh, they actually brought that? I brought the strawberry shortcake. Oh, I thought it was metaphorical like no. oh what would you bring no no i i i literally went out and i got my favorite strawberry shortcake shortcake from the bakery that i love oh and you know like somebody brought gumbo and somebody brought alcohol and yeah. so i wouldn't have been able to bring a gun then no okay. <laughs> that's bad no but the uh, thing okay here's the thing though if we're talking like real like if it's the end of the world you're gonna all die in an hour mm-hmm. why wouldn't i bring a gun okay I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> I'm doing uh, it wrong. Uh, what do you know the cost of this? It depends on the size of the group. And you can get like a group of seven for $600 or you can do a group of nine, which is more like 750 So it turns out to be about $85, $90 per person. So pardon this question, but I've been watching way too much Shark Tank recently. Yes. But what's stopping anybody from just doing this themselves? Like, why do you, why would you have to pay six or $700 to say, okay, tell this person this, this thing, like what, where's the value? Like, I, what are they providing? I see what you are talking about. However, what they are providing is they are providing the structure. Those phrases, like I said, you're building characters in the first hour. Uh, they had an entire set of printed cards that you chose phrases from uh, randomly And the facilitator, you have sort of like a coach that is like, this is how we play this game. Okay, you've got eight minutes to do this. You've got eight minutes to do that. Okay, everyone go to this corner. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to take notes. And then we're going to... So you have sort of someone keeping the evening on track, which is what you partially what you're paying for. And also, they've put all of the pre-thought into how do you create intense personal relationships very, very quickly highlighting life-changing events throughout someone's course of their life 
very fast. And then, so you don't get all of that fleshed out necessarily. So when you get to the party, that's when it all comes out. And the facilitator during the party, he attends as a guest and he was sort of leading a couple of the conversations. If things were dying in one area, he would go over and say like, oh, so-and-so, I remember that time when you told me something something about this person over here. And so he would sort of guide the whole evening, which I think if you did this on your own, it could be a free-for-all that would last for hours, which would not be would not give the intensity, and I don't think it would have the emotional impact that this did on those of us who participated. Cool. You, if you look at Live in Theater, if you look at their their website, um, there are other things also that they create and other theater pieces that you can look at. That they're they're experimental for sure. This was a really interesting experiment, and like I said, it was a very unique evening, and it would be interesting to see it with people who weren't quite so immersive friendly. Because I think all of us just jumped in head first and was like, okay, uh, and uh, that was interesting and fun, but. I don't know if everyone would have that reaction. Um, definitely. There, there's there's literally, if you go to the website, you can read several pages about the structure and how how this has worked in the past and how they're trying to develop it. So definitely an interesting experiment. Really appreciate the invitation from Brian uh, to participate in this. And if you want to learn more about Live In Theater, go to Live In Theater, and that's theater, T-E-R, at the end, liveintheater.com. On Facebook, look up at Live In Theater, Instagram, Live In Theater, and on Twitter, Live In Theater. All right, and speaking of immersive stuff, Mike, there is another show that you and I both attended recently. Yes, Bed Rumplay. Bed, bed, bed rump, Rumpla? Bed Rumpla. Bed Rumpla. It's Bedroom Play, just yeah, spelled you, oddly. You just have to say it quick. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, we attended. <laughs> well, you yeah. went before me, so. Yeah. So Bedroom Play is a show that was created and performed by Kate Lane, who you may know from Apartment 8 or Cavell. And also there's a, another familiar face in there, uh, Shane Easton, who was behind Secret Thing that we previously spoke about. And this is a individual, one-on-one immersive show that takes place in a kitchen. Oh, wait, no, it's not kitchen play. It's bedroom play. Sorry. It's been a while. I have to make these stupid jokes. I have a lot to make up for. <laughs> Anyways, it, and it takes place in, in Kate's bedroom, like her, I, her actual bedroom. So the premise of the show is you forgot your key uh, to get into your own place. And luckily, your roommate is home and she's there and opens the door for you. And from this point on, I think it can go in so many different ways of interpretation um, because the way I took it is I went to my room, fell asleep and had a dream. And Russell, what did you, how did you take it? Mm, I took it very similarly mm-hmm. because there is sort of a transitory moment where you're instructed, go to your room and lay down. And then the like scenes progress from there. Uh, there are certain questions that you are asked. And uh, those familiar with Snowfridge from the Fringe Festival earlier this year uh, here in Hollywood, the questions were similar in tone as to what you had to answer before we went through Snowfridge. And I think each 
each show, obviously, Mike, I'm sure, was individualized mm-hmm. as, as according to the answers to those questions. But it, it sort of took on, for me, a very dreamlike vibe and feel. Uh, there was talk about my place in the universe. There was talk about my position in the universe. And I was feeling particularly lost on the night that I went there. You and me both. <laughs> so partially because this also happened not long before I was leaving uh, to go deal with family stuff. So I was I was in sort of a down place. And what I found for this show, because of the answers I gave to the questions that were posed, uh, it that conversation became almost at one point I felt like I was being led through a meditation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that happened with you. Yeah, with breathing. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was some very meditative moments. And then the conversation itself turned on to, for me, purpose and position who I am and who I am to others. That's sort of what we explored. And there's some physicality to the show as far as um, there, there was a wonderfully nice, intimate feel because the person and you shared the space together, you touched and you like, you like shared objects and you handed things to each other. And, and all of that created this really wonderfully small, intimate space and yet at the same time, we were discussing huge universe type subject matter for me. Uh, how did it go for you? It, very similar. It was very life coachy in a way. Um, and I don't mean that in any way to be negative. It was very good. Um, just kind of like what you were saying, uh, the mind frame you're in and it's, you know, the mindset I've been in, you know, the last couple months, like this is, I described a show at, Midsummer Scream um, screenshot production show as this is a show I needed. And this Kate's show was a show I needed uh, at that time. Uh, I still do. Um, and it was just such a positive show uh, because it shows you that people like you and that you do deserve to be somewhere, you know, things like that. But it, it, the intimacy is what really got like hooked me on this show. And this is going to sound super, super weird and I don't mean it to be, but this show made me fall in love with Kate. And I don't mean that in a crazy stalker way or like a way as like, like I, I don't know how to describe it in an, in like a, like a way like that, but it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, like, you know, when someone talks about someone's like, Oh, I love that person. You know, you, mm-hmm. it's like, you don't really love them. You're not being creepy. You're not like trying to force yourself in their life or anything like that. But like this show, I don't know because I, I know Kate, but we don't, we're not really friends, you know, like if we see each other out somewhere, we'll say hello, but like we've never really had conversations or anything. But like, but in this show, because it was the type of show I just needed, I just needed someone there and she was there. And at one point we were just laying on her bed, holding hands, like just a simple thing like that. And what that did to, to my mindset is it totally turned it around and it made me actually happy for a first time in a really long time. Um, and it was just so calm and soothing. And, you know, it, it, it's, it just, it reminded me back to a time when you were just getting to know someone 
and you could just like just be there with that person and just not talk and everything's okay and that's kind of how it was for me and and then from that point on you know that's when even the more more of the like the affirmation started and is like you know you do matter you belong here you know like those kind of things so all of that combined it was just like i love this show like i i wish i could go back Interesting. The, I, I, I understand. I hear everything you're saying and I agree with it. And there's one thing that I will also add to that, even though it's sort of calm and soothing, there's also an intensity to her as a performer mm-hmm. that increases that feeling of belonging to something that, that you belonged there and that you, you like you were in the right place at the right time. And right. like supported. she wanted you there. Yeah, yeah. She wanted you there. Like there is, she is, she is a very intense performer. Um, and the first conversation that happens is with Shane. And I want to highlight that for me, because that was a great introduction into the show for me. That was sort of a weird off kilter, I've had conversations like that with my roommate where I think we're talking about the same thing, but I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. And it's like, I just want to go to my room right now. And that was sort of that conversation. Mm-hmm. She handled it really well and she improved it really well with the key. And there, there is several references to the key and the key I made a symbol for something in my own life. You know, it was just like, wow, this is, I, I just thought like, they can't know these things about me right now. They can't know what I'm going through. So, but this is really hitting me hard right now. And right from the beginning, as they give you your key back, because the premise is you've forgotten your key. And then there was this thing with cards on the table. They were not tarot cards or anything like that. They, but they were sort of energy cards. And we shared a couple of those cards together and, holy crap, dude, the, like the, 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 the one that I got, was so appropriate to where I was in that moment. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, it was just, it was meant to be. Uh, And there was an intensity and there was a calm, soothing aspect of the show, which was wonderfully, wonderfully uplifting. And uh, yeah, this was, this was very, very cool. I really enjoyed this piece. Yeah. I'm excited to see what else um, she has because I wasn't able to see Snowfridge at Fringe. Right. Well, Snowfridge had similar things, except because it was a group dynamic. You had seven or eight people running around in Snowfridge. Uh, it it was not the... There was an intimacy to Snowfridge at times for me, definitely. But it didn't have this sort of one-on-one intimate connection feel that Bedroom Play did. Very different vibe. Now, this is normally where we give website information or something like that, but this, I believe, was the test or just the beginning of this process for this show. So the show happened uh, through invitations, and I know uh, uh, multiple other people who also did this show uh, during the course of that week. So I'm not sure what the future of this show is, but you know, I, I think you can hear Mike and I both expressing affection for this, and I hope this piece lives on and continues. Yeah, and if it does get remounted, uh, we will make sure to let all of you know. So Mike, as I traveled to Mississippi, which by the way, uh, speaking of immersive experiences, I haven't been in Mississippi in August for years. Ugh. 
holy crap, the humidity. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I made a joke with my mom. I said, you know, you know, cause I landed and there were storm clouds around and I said, you know, it would be nice if I saw some rain, dude, I saw so much rain, Nice <laughs> rain, inches and inches and inches of rain. And I also witnessed the thing I haven't seen in years is when it, it's so hot and it rains and you're out driving and the asphalt actually starts to steam. Oh Yeah. And so, like, there's this eerie steam rising off the the road as you're driving. It's very... I haven't witnessed that in years. So, yeah, the Deep South in August, very humid. Um, But anyway, while I was there, you also had a little bit of a trip. Yes, I went to Vegas for work. But you also uh, managed to squeeze in a few things of play. Yes. Don't say that when you're talking about <laughs> Vegas. That could go so many different ways. Yes. Tell me, which ways did it go for you? Oh, my God. <laughs> when the podcast stops, now you know why. <laughs> um, I finally was able to go to uh, the Haunted Museum, uh, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Baggins, of course, from uh, Ghost Adventures. And yeah, I'm because you had gone like twice already, right? Yeah, it seemed uh, I went the, I think the opening weekend because I was in Vegas that weekend and some friends already had tickets, so I joined them. And then last time I was in Vegas, somebody else hadn't been and they're like, hey, I'm doing this. Can you, can you come and join us? And so I went and did it a second time. Yeah. So, yay, I finally went. Um, It was, it was fun. It was really good. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed uh, because there wasn't as much haunted stuff as I thought there would be. Um, it was very. It was more of a oddities museum than a haunted museum, at yes, least in true. my opinion. Very true. Um, but there was some really cool, cool stuff in there. Uh, like if you, if you, those of you who are listening who are in LA, if you've been to the Museum of Death, um, there was a couple rooms that had um, like basically stuff like that. Um, there was a serial killer room. Um, there, there definitely was some some oddities room and there was quite a bit haunted stuff. I just expected a bit more. Uh, a very interesting thing that happened was we were in the, a haunted doll room where they have a spirit box going and our tour guide, who is Troy Hurd's wife from majestic repertory, which we will talk about in a second. Um, she was our tour guide and she had said that she usually doesn't go into that room because the doll doesn't like her. Now, if you believe in ghosts, like you can understand. If you don't believe, then, you know, whatever. But because because of that, I was like, ooh, like why? And and she said she just has bad experiences whenever she goes in there. Sure enough, uh, she went, chose to go in there because uh, our group was a little quiet. Uh, we weren't asking questions. And she went in there and said, hello, or how are you doing, or something like that. And all of a sudden, you just hear, bitch. Like come what? come from the thing, yeah. And so she, <laughs> and it was awesome because like as soon as that happened, I like turned to her, my jaw was on the floor, and she looked at me and she's like, "Nope," and walked right out. <laughs> oh, it's like man. that's why I don't go in there. Uh, so that was really the the like one of the only like the paranormal type things that have happened. But it was really cool to see some of the other things, um, the dolls that were investigated on Ghost Adventures and things like that. Uh, so. Yeah, it's definitely worth the trip if you're into dark, spooky oddities, like stuff like that. Uh, the serial killer room that they have, there's so much stuff in there, which is really, really intriguing and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, and I had said before you go that there was a picture of Ed Gein that I wanted you to pay attention oh, yeah. to. And that to me is so creepy. Mm -hmm. And it's a picture of Ed Gein, just a normal holiday picture. And I find that so creepy that it's just like, oh, look, it's him standing next to a Christmas tree. <laughs> murderers are people too russell uh, well that's just it it was just like you don't you're you're so not used to seeing that sort of imagery when you see him you you know the infamous photo of him um but uh but yeah i i i there is some interesting stuff and i agree with you it's more museum than haunt yeah yeah it's it's no it, i know it's not a haunt well, but part haunted i guess yeah so it's it's an oddities thing, but there's so much interesting stuff there that I, I thought it was worth going to, definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. And one of the th things you had mentioned is how quick they usher you through. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely still a thing, which is unfortunate because there's so much to look at and so much to read. If there was... I just wish there was more time that you could spend so you could actually look at every single thing and read everything instead of just like, oh, here's a story. Okay, now we're going to the next room. Yeah, and there's a couple of individual rooms devoted to certain either killers or people. And uh, they had just opened a new one that I thought was fascinating. The Ed Gein room is fascinating. There's some paranormal investigator that gets a lot of uh, time, which I found her story fascinating. It, it, there is a lot of interesting information there, that's for sure. Yeah, I dug it. I'll go back. For more information on Zach Baggins' Haunted Museum, you can find them on the web at thehauntedmuseum.com, on Facebook, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum, and on Twitter, Haunted Museum. Then the next night, our buddy Omar was gracious enough to pick me up from the hotel and I finally was able to go to a Majestic Rep show. Which is a company I've mentioned a few times on this podcast. Yes, we know, Russell. You've been there like 8,000 <laughs> times. You're in the program. Like, okay, oh. we get it. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'm just letting you have your moment of glory. <laughs> yes, I, I, I support Majestic Rep because I think they do creative, innovative work. They do. Uh, and I was able to see their production of Cabaret. Uh, so Omar and I went and Majestic Rep uh, is run by Troy Hurd, who is a listener of the podcast. So thank you for listening. And it was so good to finally meet him in person because you've spoken about him many times. And yeah, just meeting him. And uh, like I mentioned, his wife was our tour guide for the Haunted Museum. And it, you know, I say this every time I talk about a show like this, but like I'm not a theater person. And yeah, I realized. And so me going to cabaret, <laughs> you know, it, it was the way I looked at it is like, it'll be, it'll be fun because I'll get to meet Troy. I'll get to see a show. I won't be stuck in my hotel room. So, and I get to hang out with Omar and grab dinner, which all of those are big pluses, mm -hmm. but the show was so good. Yeah. And be, I think because I have that ignorance is bliss mentality about like these, these types of shows, like right. Cause this was a Broadway show. I'm guessing. Like oh, yeah. at some point yeah so like yeah right there my my <laughs> ignorance but because i go in so naive and so clueless about shows like this i think it's even better for me because there's no way to go down so even if the show was horrible like by whatever standards like i think i would still appreciate it but the show wasn't horrible and it was just so good and it was it was so exciting to see new faces because in LA it, there's a lot of, a lot of the shows have sim have similar actors. They share actors and stuff. So 
it's like, oh, there's so-and-so or there's that person. Cool. You know, but with here, I knew nobody. And it was just, it was, I think that added to it a little bit, Be you know, out of course the story is, is great and so messed up. Like oh, I had, yeah. I had no idea like, of like it would be like that. So I'm telling you musical theater can get dark, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm learning. How'd you like that ending? It was, yeah, it was insane. Um, but yeah, like this, I'm glad, I'm so glad I went and I'm really, if the, if, they're able to get this kind of impact from me on a nor like a quote unquote normal show. Like I need to see some of their like scary or horror things, which, mm-hmm. you know, which is everything like you you've seen talked about. And is it, I, man, I, yeah, I, I am so good. I am so happy. And yeah. And look, you know what? It's fine. Not being a theater person. You know, I give you crap about it all the time, but it's fine not being a theater person. Just like it's fine not being a video game person. Yeah. (laughs) I give you crap about all the time. (laughs) Yes. uh, And and I appreciate all of the coaching that you give and all of the mocking that you do. It it adds to my experience as a new video game player. So uh, I love the fact that you got that you had an experience like that with such a classic piece. And it is a dark, dark story. That is a like you said, it's a messed up piece it's it's such a good good show really good and i i was so disappointed that it got did not get to make it to that one because it also has a, there's some production numbers in that that are like huge songs that i absolutely love so uh and uh just out of curiosity mike where is the club that they perform what is the name of the club they perform at uh snickers club no <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> what's the name of the club mike it's the kit kat club but it, it's the club is spelled with a k yes so basically if you support kit kats you're you support the kkk <sighs> so sorry russell team snickers no. we're all for racial equality well i i think this is the time that i actually uh wait wait hold on I brought something for you today. Oh, no. Because we haven't done a podcast in a while because we've both been so busy. So, look what I brought you. Oh, jeez. They're Kit Kats, but guess what? The wrappers glow in the dark. Thanks, Russell. (laughs) It'll be hard to see them glow when the trash can lid is on them. Oh, hey. (laughs) Don't waste a good Kit Kat. So, but yeah, I just, I, I found that and I thought I was like, I have to give Mike a few of these. <laughs> Thanks, Russell. But why not, speaking of, why don't you tell your story about the Kit Kat ice cream? So, Miss, oh. Mr. Kit Kat. <laughs> so, um, uh, while I was in Mississippi, uh, actually Troy from Majestic Repertory Theater in Vegas was the first person to ever contact me and went, have you found Kit Kat ice cream yet? And I had not. And for the first time when I was in Mississippi visiting mom, I found Kit Kat ice cream. And also, by the way, Butterfinger ice cream, which Butterfinger rocks. <laughs> uh, Kit Kat ice cream for me personally, it's it's a very rich chocolate ice cream with Kit Kat pieces mixed in. Uh, it's more of a very rich chocolate ice cream experience, less about a Kit Kat experience. And I think maybe that's because wafers would get soggy, I think, perhaps, maybe. You can spin it any way you want so, but I, I just like for i me, just i just it, like to point out that you're like mr Kit Kat and saying the Kit Kat ice cream is not good i'm not saying it's not good yes, i'm just are. saying it's it's a like more of a rich chocolate experience than a Kit Kat experience mm, so you're deflecting so i'm deflecting a little bit Got um, it. i will say i loved butterfinger ice cream i thought that was amazing okay so 
All right. Uh, by the way, uh, and by the way, thank you, Troy, for pointing me to Kit Kat ice cream because I wouldn't have known it existed without your message. And thank you, Troy, for creating Majestic Rep. Because yes. Because it's good stuff. And I hope to be back soon. Yes. So. Because I heard Krampus is coming. Yes. Apparently Krampus is coming. For more information on Majestic Rep in Las Vegas, MajesticRepertory.com. On Facebook, Majestic Rep. On Instagram, Majestic Rep Theater with and spelled t-r-e and on twitter majestic rep now mike uh because my trip happened so suddenly i missed out on something which i really 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 wanted to go to Mm -hmm. and you go went to it and that is the second horror convention of the year uh or pardon me of the summer uh and that is scare la yes and how did that go hmm Hmm. Yeah. That should give you a little sign. So Scarlet, uh this year, let me just say that, you know, whenever you're going to be talking about horror conventions that are geared towards the Halloween crowd, you're going to make comparisons. Um, so Midsummer Scream was a, was a few weeks prior and we were there every hour of the day and opening the closing still didn't get enough to do still couldn't fit in everything we mm-hmm. needed to do both days i left scarily after two hours what i left scarily after two hours uh tell me more it's just not the same convention it was anymore uh you went last year so you remember it was in that it was in a pretty big area mm-hmm. this year it was confined to one one area one small room uh, it was at small, the la convention center yes downtown, it right? still was yeah yeah uh this was a smaller space than last year and everything was in that space including the stage for the panels including Ooh. all of the haunts including all of the vendors including all of the vr ex- uh experiences which last year they had a problem with trying to hold classes or panels on the open floor nobody could hear anything that was the exact same thing with the with the panels this year uh they were right by like all of the haunts so it's it was it was it was not fun for me um and whereas midsummer scream it seemed there was always something to do here there really wasn't uh there was there were haunts to go through but there weren't you know the immersive experiences that you could sign up for or or go find or like having things like not scavenger hunts but the like things like like stash house did where you have to go around and find things or the other experiences like that it's just you would walk a few rows of vendors literally a few rows like there was maybe four rows of vendors um, and then it would go into like a little haunt section and it's just the uh, man, the haunts again, you know, cause you, when you have another convention, you have, it's hard not to compare, but the haunts were just co- like the production just wasn't there compared to midsummer scream. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like maybe like, they got a call the day before. It's like, oh, here's some plywood or here's some black plastic. Uh, here's a maze. We're gonna scare you. You know, there was a there was like there were a couple of good mazes um that I went through, but it just wasn't the same because you're looking at fairly lit black 
plywood walls. Hmm. You know, and it's it just because it was sharing the same space, they weren't able to control the lighting for the haunt area. So it had the same light as the vendor area, you know, which was, which was low. And it was like a, it was, it was a balance between the two. So whereas it could have been darker for the haunt area, it could have been lighter for the, for the vendor area. But I actually have a very specific question about that because they were actually advertising this as the first dark convention and Halloween, (laughs) the first dark convention and Halloween pop-up theme park. What did they mean by dark convention? Because there were jokes going around before Scarlet of like, what is the vendor floor going to be dimly lit? Yeah. And it was, and all, all that is, is marketing. How did that work for the vendors? They, the ones I spoke to hated it. As a customer, I want to see what I'm buying. Yeah. And you could, don't get me wrong. Like you could see most vendors had, had lights, uh, that they could show and stuff. And, and when you, it, and it was dark, but it wasn't to the point where you had to like strain your eyes to see. It oh, was just, okay. it was dimly lit. It's right. not dark. Okay. Uh, so you could still see things and most vendors did have lights. Um, but it's just marketing. That's all it was. It was, it was marketing. Like it, if, because like if I was a, say I was a tourist coming to LA and I heard about a pop-up Halloween park, like the way they're describing it, mm-hmm. I would be so stoked. I'd be thinking there were rides. I'd be thinking, I'd be thinking fall in New England mm-hmm. is what is where my brain would go. Something like the hayride, like that atmosphere. Yeah. No, it was not that at all. And did you do the descend into darkness show? Most of the haunts were, were just okay. Okay. Um, but nothing, nothing really sticks out. Um, there weren't memorable things like the other convention where there was like huge production value at like, like these home haunts and stuff like, and it's, just, it was just night and day. It was a night and day difference. And you know, I, I, you weren't here. So before I, I really talked to you, cause you asked me how scare LA was. And all I did was send you a Yelp review like link that surprised me and like because even first... by the end of the second day yelp reviews were starting to appear and i i read through several of them that were so negative mm-hmm. yeah so that surprised me yeah it was it, it it's like i said before it's not the same i mean there were some pros um you know because of where it was you didn't have to wait outside to get your tickets mm-hmm. so you got to wait inside the convention so that was good um, they did have some different vendors from, from Midsummer Scream, like a different varieties, which that was is... one of the questions I wanted to ask was like, uh, how were the vendors? Cause last year it felt, it seemed like they were more effects, more makeup. It was heavily and it, in the industry. And it's, stuff. it still was, but there were things that just didn't make sense. Um, you could tell they had trouble getting vendors to sign up, hmm. um, based on spacing and based on things like having Costco having a booth. Were they selling Halloween stuff? Yes. They okay. were selling like tickets, like their discounted tickets. Ah, okay. But it's Costco. Yeah. Not why, what you would expect. Why is Costco at a horror slash Halloween convention? Like that space should be for someone that does like spooky art or masks or, you know, something like that. Not a huge corporation. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just a personal thing. Um, but there were just some weird things. It didn't seem. It didn't seem to flow. Uh, for example, we we when I went to get the passes, uh, I was given one laminate and a wristband. Um, but the thing is, the laminate was in front of the line. The wristband wasn't. 
And I asked, like, like, oh, do I need to wear both of these? Like, no, it's one or the other. The other one is for your guests. I'm like, what do you what do you mean guest? Uh, like we're two. Like we signed up for two. We it's not one plus and a plus one. It's we would both need to get a, like a laminate so we could go through at the same time. It's like, oh no. That's not how, how it is. This is that was not explained in advance. Yeah, exactly. And that's what would make no sense because if we're doing things and there's a long line, we both have to wait in the in that line. Right. You know, it, which it just made no sense that why would you give even if it was just a plus one, why would you give someone a lesser pass than the person is the guest you know what i mean like that that made no sense to me so um so that was one thing there were just some other just weird things that it just it just didn't work uh for example they had bands out in the food court area like Uh where, where you were lining in but because of that feel it felt like a mall food court watching a band (laughs) <laughs> so I don't think a lot of people really took it seriously. So it was just background music rather than a destination and focal point. Oh, um, like I said, I was in and out of there two hours and I did mostly everything. Wow. That's disappointing to hear. And, and cause last year I think we, we both took the tact of like optimistically looking at it going like they're, they're trying to find themselves still. And, uh, this sounds like they didn't quite find themselves again. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised if it didn't return next year. Really? You think so? No, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. All right. I'm not saying it will or won't, but if there is no Scarlet next year, like I'm, it's not going to be a shock. Interesting. Yeah. Cause as I said, my, I, I, unfortunately, I really wanted to go because after last year, I wanted to see what they did differently. Right. Because they did have some of the problems with the sound crossing over and the panels in the vendor area. Like they did have some of those issues. I wanted to see how they addressed those. It doesn't sound like they did address them. And I, I was disappointed. But like I said, when I started seeing the Yelp reviews, I was really surprised at, at the negativity of some of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's all warranted. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Yeah. Uh, for more information on Scarele, you can find them on the web at scarele.com, on Facebook, Scarele Con, on Instagram, Scare Los Angeles, and also on Twitter, Scare Los Angeles. And well, Mike, that wraps up basically what we've done. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we're kind of heading into hot season. What do you mean, kind of? Yeah. We are. <laughs> so, uh, and I, upcoming, I mean, Urban Death has announced they're doing the the tour, their Halloween tour that they're, uh, the the haunt that they're, I, wow, you, that you, came out wrong. You got that? No, I, I <laughs> Urban Death Tour of Terror? Thank you. That's what it's called. Um, uh, they've announced that that's returning. Delusion has already announced and tickets sold are sold out. Uh, it is sold out? I'm pretty sure. Sh- if not, they have like three tickets left. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Creep uh, has come back. They're selling tickets. Uh, from the people who did the experiences, Tension and Lust Experience, Theater Macabre, uh, Wicked Lit, Shine On Collective has something during part of the season. There's, of course, Universal, Knots, Six Flags. And the the odd thing about looking at the immersive community and looking at the immersive stuff, dude, it's going to be an expensive season. Yep. Because a lot of these tickets are running almost $100. Uh, one of them is 150 
uh, that's really going to cut down possibly on people seeing some of this. They have to pick and choose. Yes. Because, and here's another thing, uh, bringing that up. Um, our, our friend Larry, who you may remember did dark arts last year for fringe has mm-hmm. a show called Tradecraft, and because it's not horror and it's happening around at the beginning of haunt season, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, do I spend money on this or do I spend money on the Halloween spooky things, you know? So it's like kind of a, like a, a toss up, but right. I think that's going to be super fun. Um, so I suggest people go check that out too, because he's a great writer and dark arts was, was amazing. And also one more thing that's coming up. Uh, we talk about spook show uh, that happens in March at the Halloween club. They're doing almost, I guess a mid season because it is six months after spook show. Uh, it's called the Spook Show Bazaar at Halloween Clubs on September 22nd. And I have a feeling it's going to be just like Spook Show, just right before Halloween. So chances are there'll be some discounts at Halloween Club and you'll see some vendors and be able to get spooky stuff uh, right before Halloween if your money isn't gone from spending money on all the shows that are coming up <laughs> and all the haunts. Uh, and also, I want to throw a shout out really quick to uh, Screamfest LA, the horror film festival that has been in Los Angeles for so many years. They're always fun. Uh, their lineup, because they're always working right up until the last minute to get the best films possible. Uh, their lineup usually comes out early October, but uh, Screamfest LA is happening from October 9th through uh, the 18th. So yeah, there's lots of stuff coming up. It is definitely like launching into haunt season. That's for sure. And just a couple shout outs. Uh, first up uh, to Jim Transu, uh, who emailed us looking for things in Arizona. Um, he's part of a Arizona haunters group and they're based in Phoenix and, and he's been listening to the podcast. So first of all, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for emailing us. And um, this isn't in Arizona, but we did tell him about uh, Evermore. Uh, in Utah, which seems like it will be fun. Uh, go check that out, evermore.com. It, it sounds almost like Renfair, but more immersive. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I have not checked out that website yet, even though I, I've heard it mentioned a couple of times. It came up at the panel that we did at Midsummer Scream. Uh, another thing is um, we mentioned, uh, or at least I, I mentioned to him Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, which is more, they don't sell themselves as immersive theater. They sell themselves more of our, uh, immersive art experiences. And uh, he did uh, let me know that he is planning on attending Meow Wolf at some point. Nice. Uh, and another quick shout out is we kind of have to give a shout out to Tim Redman, who gave us gifts. Uh, and the the gift that he sent was uh, a British artist named Lisa Sparrow does a pop-up thing called the Sparrow Mart, which is a store that everything in it is for sale and is completely made out of felt. And he brought Mike a felt Snickers and me a felt Kit Kat. And we just want to thank that. Yeah. And thank him for that. I, I was lucky enough to catch him at Scarolet. Oh, cool. uh, so I thanked him in person. But again, um, just for this amazing thing. Thank you again, Tim. Like that was awesome and super, super kind of you. You didn't have to do that. So I have, because I work for uh, Disney in my office, I have certain Disney stuffed animals lurking on my sofa and stuff. So the Kit Kat is now. You have a sofa in your office? Yeah, I do. Okay. So I, 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 they cram a whole bunch of people into my office for meetings, man. (laughs) Is that the casting couch? No, it's not. That I've heard about? (laughs) Nope. Nope. So, but there's a, I have a a stuffed, uh, they're called Jackwins and a Jackwin is eating the Kit Kat now. So that's. (laughs) Oh, so you set up a little scene. I did. (laughs) 
<laughs> you should get with Adina and do a stop motion thing <laughs> with that. Hi, Adina. Uh, hi. Anyway, I think that's it. Oh, but there's one last thing. Oh, come on. <laughs> Are you going to give me like something pecanny? No, I, I, I gave, uh, I gave, uh, I, this is, I, I found this in um, uh, a uh, store uh, in Mississippi uh, right as I was heading toward the airport. Uh, so I wanted to give you this because I know you have one in your car. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks. It's a smiling, dancing Frankenstein. Yes. Solar powered. Yes. So, and I'll be totally honest, that came from a dollar store. So if it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're cheap. Yes, I'm cheap. So I get it from you. <laughs> I'm thrifty. So that's true. All right. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. Is that everything? Yeah, why are you looking around? So your, I, the, I because I, I I literally I I have stuff like the box of dread is over here and the Kit Kats are over there and the so I just I, I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay. Yep. That's everything. Uh, for more information on us, you can find us on the web at myhauntlife.com or on all the social medias, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube uh, at myhauntlife. Uh, you can email us at mike at myhauntlife.com or russell at myhauntlife.com with two S's and two L's or leave us a voicemail or text on the hotline 515-HAUNT-LA. Uh, until next time when we'll be talking about haunts again because haunt season is here. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. See ya. Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Was it, is that right? Yes, it is right. No, that's not right. It is right. Mm-hmm. That is correct. All right. All right. I'm fine.